Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. My name is Tiffany Buckner and I'm going to do a really quick message. I'm going to tell you three demons that are relatively easy to detect. Three demons that are relatively easy to detect. Now you may say, uh, before we get into this message, well, Sister Tiffany, don't we have to wait for God to like speak something in our ear to say that this is this particular demon or that's that particular demon? Not always. You want to lead to the Lord for confirmation. Um, but every demon is like, for example, Think about dogs. There are different types of dogs. So shit zoos have characteristics. There are certain characteristics um, or certain traits that are that you will find in shit zoos that you may not necessarily find. Let's say, for example, in Siberian Huskies, Siberian Huskies have traits. Um, so a Siberian Husky, for example, is very destructive. A Siberian Husky is what they call or they are deemed as the great escape artist because if the door comes open if they found a way of escape they're gonna take it because they were bred to run so they have this natural instinct this this drive this desire to just run so those are some of the their characteristics shih tzus have characteristics i'm not too familiar with them because i've never had a shih tzu but it's the same thing with demons. Demons have characteristics. So whenever you're dealing, let's say, for example, with the Jezebel spirit, which honestly does not fall on the three demons that are easy to detect because Jezebel, sometimes you can detect it um, fairly easily and other times it can be more covert. But when you're dealing with the Jezebel spirit, that a person will have certain characteristics um, that will let you know or that will alert you that the person may be bound by the Jezebel spirit. But then again, that could be another spirit. So you would have to lean to the Lord uh, to give you clarity. Either way, it's always better to lean to the Lord for clarity. But the Jezebel spirit um, is characterized by control. Now, there's dominant control and there is passive control. Either way, it's control. So when you're dealing with the um, covert the covert Jezebel, that person is going to be relatively passive. They're not going to threaten you as much. So for the most part, what they'll do is they do passive control, meaning they'll post to Facebook. Um, they'll, they'll sit back and they'll put you on punishment by not calling you. Um, they'll just ignore you. So they're always putting you on punishment. That's passive control. And that's what you're going to see with the covert. The overt, on the other hand, uses fear. So the overt is typically over the top, flamboyant, and relatively aggressive. Now, the degrees to, the degrees to how aggressive they can be, but, you know, um, they're very aggressive. So they may yell. Um, they may scream at you. They may threaten you. But either way, that is a spirit. But you have to um, just understand demonology. So let me go ahead and talk about the three types of spirits that are not so easy to detect. And two of them, I'm going to kind of group them together uh, because they typically come together. So whenever we're doing deliverance, we typically call them out together. They are sister and brother demons and they are gossip and slander. Gossip and slander. You can tell when somebody um, is bound by the demon of gossip and slander. Now, of course, there is... A case where the person is not necessarily gossiping and slandering you, but they're coming to you to gossip and slander about somebody else. And so that person comes up to you. And typically people who wrestle with the spirits of gossip and slander, they they don't wait very long to open their mouths and begin to speak against you they, or speak against people or speak to you. Let me say that to speak to you about other people. If you happen to be in a communal setting, it doesn't take them long. Now, if they know, let's say if it's a Christian setting, they're very mindful of how they do it. So they'll say something like, what do you think about such and such? I'm not trying to gossip or, you know, what about this person or what have you? And this is what I've, I've detected or this is what I sense. This is what I discern about this person. But that's a person who wrestles with gossip and slander. And let me say this. People who wrestle with gossip and slander typically wrestle with uh, fear. And they wrestle with the third uh, demon as well. But they typically wrestle with fear, fear of confrontation. And I think the biggest issue for that, with that, the reason that they wrestle with it is because they label it as confrontation. They're afraid to go to a person and ask questions and say, hey, why did you do that? Or, hey, excuse me, that hurt my feelings. They're afraid to do that. So whenever you don't express yourself, then you're going to feel the need or you don't express yourself to the person who hurt you or disappointed you. Um, you're going to feel the need to express it to other people. And so you'll start looking for confirmation and not necessarily information. You're looking for people to say, yeah, she's always been like that. You're looking for people to say, oh, it's not you. It's definitely her or what have you. But gossip and slander typically... Um, People who wrestle with it, they standardly will come to you. Now, I've had it happen to me and it was when you're dealing with somebody who's more covert. A lot of times, again, they will sit back and say something along the lines of um, I'm not gossiping. 
you know, I'm not gossiping. I'm not trying to talk about this person, but, or, you know, they may say, okay, well, I just need, I, I, I need your help about this kind of situation. Let me know what you think. And there's nothing wrong looking for wise counsel, you know, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that a person comes to you, they're looking for wise counsel. Typically when you're looking for wise counsel, counsel is always better to not use names. It's always better to say, okay, so um, there's this person, there's this woman and she's been doing this, you know, if you, especially if you guys, um, are in a mutual setting. Now, the one time I would say it's okay to use names is if you're reaching out to somebody who's wise, somebody who does not uh, engage in slander or engage in gossip. And that person is, you know, readily, you know, they're going to be integral about it. So you can, if you're in a situation where you feel like it's necessary to use a person's name, because now you're confused. Um, I will say if a person just repeatedly does something to you, and let's say again, more so a person who's a little bit more on the covert side, the person who repeatedly does something to you, maybe they are, you know, always ignoring you. Maybe they are always just not inviting you. Let's say um, you're in a communal setting. They're always, you know, let's say they always ask everybody, uh, raise your hand and they never call on you when you raise your hand. Now they call on everybody else, but they never call on you. So it's okay in a situation like that to say to first start off with, Hey, what do you think about this type, this particular situation? But if it gets overwhelming, it's okay to say, okay, before I confront this person, this is something I've noticed. And so this is between me and you. I'm not trying to gossip, but I do have a question and it is bothering me. It is bo- it's boggling to me. And if you use that person's name and say, you know, um, and mo- make sure that you're planning to confront the person. The minute you use their name, you're planning to confront them. And so the other person, again, make sure they're integral. You have to make sure you've watched them for, for a while. Make sure they're moving in integrity. integrity. And so that person may say, oh, yes, don't, that's not you. That is her. She's always been like that. Uh, we've had problems with her in the past, you know, with this type of behavior or what have you. What that does is it relieves you. It lets you know that you're not crazy. It lets you know that, okay, you do see what you see and it gives you peace of mind. And then you can find out or you can ask them how should you address the situation or what have you. But again, make sure it's somebody who's mature, somebody who's integral or what have you. But whenever you see somebody who repeatedly do that and uh, when you're dealing with gossip and slanders, they always want to use a person's name. So a person may turn to you for wise counsel and they may use a name and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that person keeps coming back to you and every time you look up, they got another name. Oh, and girl, you know about such and such. Oh, what have you? Then you're, you're likely dealing with somebody who is wrestling with the demon of guilt and shame. Now, let me, um, I mean, not guilt and shame, the demon of gossip, the demon, demon of gossip. So I just realized that I should talk about four. Okay, that's the demon of gossip. So whenever you're dealing with the demon of gossip, it is always in a person's tongue. But slander, gossip and slander is what I meant to say. Not guilt and shame. It's not guilt and shame. It's gossip and slander. I don't know if I said that initially, but when you're dealing with somebody who's dealing with the, uh, the demons of gossip and slander, um, they are relatively easy to detect because in the beginning, again, they will typically use people's names and it always comes off. there like they're listening, looking for wise counsel, but then they're going to continue to use names. So the first time they may do it, they may use a person's name and you're like, OK, so, you know, the person just looking for wise counsel. I get it. They may say, hey, I've been thinking about leaving because of this person. I've been thinking about this because of this person or what have you. And you're able to say, hey, no, don't, 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 don't allow that to uh, to push you. Don't allow that. Or even a group of people, you know, there's this group, they've been doing this. There's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, it's always better to not use names initially, unless you just absolutely have to. And you want to make sure you're moving, uh, talking to somebody who's integral. Another um, manifestation of guilt and shame, not guilt and shame, gossip and slander, both GS, but gossip and slander, another manifestation of gossip and slander, the way that you can detect this demon when it's been pointed at you is people start acting funny. They start acting relatively weird. You know, I remember being young and in the world. I remember having um, this friend. And well, obviously she wasn't really a friend, but she was somebody I was hanging out with, somebody I was identifying as a friend at the time. And, you know, we referred to each other as friends or what have you. And one of the things I remember about her was that we would have these moments. Like we would be really close as friends. Of course, we'd be hanging out. She rode with me, um, or what have you, to work and from work or what have you. So we would we ride together, we talk, and we would always be laughing. But I could always tell when this girl 
fell into the trap of, uh, of slandering me, of saying something bad about me because she would just begin to act funny. She started acting relatively funny. Well, typically it wasn't her acting funny. Um, she would act funny, but I noticed that the people that she hung out with, so we did, she, she had friends that were not my mutuals, even though we all worked in the same environment. They were not necessarily my, now they were, some of them were relatively cool with me, but I just remember just about everybody that she befriended, they would not like me. And I would ask her about it. And she would always tell me, oh, girl, they just jealous of you. That's how she is. And she would just proceed to talk about the person. Um, And it didn't take me long to realize. And even though I was a young lady, it didn't take me long to realize that she was doing the same thing to me. I think I met her when I was 18 or 19. But it didn't take me long to realize that she was doing the same thing to me because, you know, it was just ironic to me that every time I looked up when she had met a new person, when she was hanging out with a new friend. Um, that that person would not like me. Nevertheless, when I had friends, I was always trying to introduce my friends to her. I was always talking positively about her to my friends, talking about, hey, she's cool. I think you love her. She's a lot of fun. She's a lot of fun or what have you. But whenever she would fall into the trap of gossip and slander, um, I could tell because she would become very avoided of me. Um, it was hard for her to maintain eye contact. And she just started acting different. And I remember we used to, have these moments where we would try to get close and the closer we would try to get the more problems. Now we were already close, but we, when I talk about that, I'm talking about like going on break together. We would go on break. And I remember, um, we had this thing where we started going on break every day at the same time, even though our managers were against it or what have you, but we would go on break at the same time. And we would go on our lunch. We take our lunch together or what have you. Cause I had a car. She didn't. And so we I, we would typically ride to a restaurant. I drive to a restaurant and we eat or what have you. So that was that. And anytime she would get caught up in that gossip and in that slander, she would befriend other people. And all of a sudden, I would be looking for her for our break, like our 15 minute break or what have you. I'd be looking for her and I'm like, hey, and we'll call her Dolly. I'd be like, hey, anybody seen Dolly? And I remember a lady, one of the ladies that worked with us, she'd be like, oh, Dolly went to break. And he used to catch me off guard because Dottie and I would be going to break for like a month, a month and a half or whatever. We'd be going to break consistently every day. She would come looking for me and say, hey, you ready for break? Or I would go looking for her and say, hey, I'm about to go on break. Are you ready? So we would go to break together consistently. But all of a sudden she's going to break and she didn't she didn't come and say to me. Now, it's not to say that she needed to consult with me or anything like that. It's to say that it was a pattern. And so when there is a pattern, you can't you get used to that pattern and you expect at minimum the person to say, hey, I'm about to go on break, but I'm going to be with this person. What have you? But she wouldn't do that. And she typically would always do that whenever she would find herself another friend. She would just because she didn't know how to mix her friends. She didn't know how to have friendships where she can make everybody mutual because she would be talking about um, the other person, you know, so she kept her friendships separate by using gossip and slander. But I remember she would do that. She did that a few times. I knew her for several years and whenever she would do that, I would get really upset with her, you know, and, and the, her accusation would be, dang, on, I'm, I'm not your man. Why she be acting like I'm her man or what? Because I would walk up to her and I'm like, listen, stay out of my face. Uh, I'm done with you or what have you? Because it wouldn't just be that it would be a pattern of behavior. It would just be a suddenly thing where I would be trying to figure out, like, what did I do? Like, you know, I'm, I'm walking around, I'm looking for her and I'm like, hey, ever, anybody seen Dolly? And it could be that entire day, for example, starting off that entire day where she's acting funny. You know, she's not acting her usual self. She's not, you know, talking to me as much, even though when I picked her up in the car, she's not saying much of anything. She's just really quiet. We get to the job. She would just, you know. She'd walk away from me. She wouldn't say much of anything to me or what have you. And I'm like, okay, maybe she's having a bad day or what have you. But then it t- it didn't take me long to see that it was a pattern. It was every time she met a new friend uh, that she would do that. And uh, she would go off and she'd start hanging with that person. And then whenever she got tired of that person, she would come back and start talking really bad about that person. But yeah, I got tired of it because I realized that she was talking about me to those people. And uh, not only was she talking about me to those people, but she didn't know how to, one, merge, the, you know, just, hey, introduce me to the people or what have you. She would always have them not liking me. And um, she would always make me feel like I had done something wrong. So I would always be going through these 
these thoughts of, okay, what did I do wrong? I'm rehearsing in my mind, like conversations we had, I'm rehearsing. And all I can think about was like, we haven't had any argument. We've been laughing, like we've been laughing and talking. So I don't get it. What happened or what have you? And then even in that, what she would do is she would stop, she would stop inviting me. Like she would just, I would just hear about her and these people hanging out. And I'm like, Dang, she invites me 100% of the time. She's always like, hey, uh, I'm going to do this or we're going to do this or what have you. Or she make plans with me and say, hey, let's do this and we can invite the girls. But she would not do that with me. She would not do that with me. Now, uh, we used to all hang out like with some of her friends that did not necessarily bite into the fruit. Oh, what have you, but that's a story within itself. But I've noticed that even as a Christian, I've seen Christian women do that. And uh, I think a lot of times what's interesting to me, and to be honest with you, I think a lot of times when you're dealing with Christian women, they forget that you used to be in the world. So they forget that you are familiar with that. So a lot of times people think that you don't know. It makes me think of, you know, like foreign guys, uh, for example, they think that, okay, well, um, these lies that I'm telling her, these, these my games, I'm, I'm telling her she's never seen them before because, you know, this is stuff that we do in my country. And you tell them, hey, excuse me, American dudes do that as well. It's probably not the best example, but it is to say a lot of times people in the church is almost like they, they think that you're foreign uh, to some of uh, the behaviors or what have you. But whenever you're dealing with not just Christians, not just church people, but when you're dealing with people in, in general, I can always tell when they have uh, gotten entangled in gossip and slander because almost always they fall into the trap of dishonor. Almost always. First and foremost, it's very hard for them to maintain eye contact. And then secondly, even when they do give you eye contact, they look through you. They look past you. It's not direct eye contact. It's just rehearsed because nine times out of 10, they've done this over the course of their lives. It's just rehearsed where they're kind of trying to look at you, but they're either looking through you. You know, it's like they're daydreaming when they're looking at you. One, or whenever they're looking at, whenever they do look at you, uh, there is no, there's no friendliness. Like their continence kind of gives them away. I, I I hope I can explain that, but their continence kind of gives them away because either they make, you know, have a, a, a slight frown on their face or because your, your, your face will always re, will, will, will show or reveal the con the positioning of your heart. Your face will reveal, and this is why a lot of people, they just avoid looking at you. A lot of times they try to become very avoidant because they're afraid that their poker face won't work. But you have people that a lot of times when they're looking at you, the muscles in their face, especially a lot of times people will look at you and they'll try to put a smile on their face. They'll try to be fake. But whenever you go to talk and it's hard for them to listen, it's hard for them to stay put, you know, so a lot of times what they're going to do is cut the conversation short. Or their face will start to kind of scrunch up. Their face starts scrunching up because they've already said something. And this is why I say it's not difficult to detect this particular demon uh, of the demons of gossip and slander is because one, and I'll I'll make sure that I uh, list, list them for you. The person becomes very dishonorable. The person becomes very dishonorable. So their behaviors change all of a sudden. Um, You'll notice that the person um, is not giving you eye contact you'll notice that the person, well, let's just say number one is dishonorable. And when I say dishonorable, I'm talking about the way that they move, the way that they behave seems relatively disrespectful. And disrespectful doesn't mean that person is saying something condescending or doing something that's condescending. It just means there's a change in behavior without a change, without an explanation, without any type of uh, communication. There's a sudden change in the person's behavior. Number two, they become avoidant. They become avoidant. So a person that typically comes up to you, stands there and talks to you and laughs with you, don't do that. All of a sudden they're walking real they're they're trying to shuffle past you. A lot of times they try to act like they're busy, that they're having to do something. And it's because of the content of their heart. It's because they've said something about you. They have they've had a conversation about you. Um, or what have you, and they feel relatively guilty. I mean, this is where guilt and shame comes in, because you know, those are demons within themselves. But they feel relatively guilty and not when I say guilty, I don't mean that they feel guilty in a way like I shouldn't have done that guilty in a way of, oops, I hope she doesn't see. I hope she doesn't detect, especially when you're spiritual. A lot of people are afraid that you'll pick it up or what have you. They're afraid that you'll kind of notice it. So they become very avoidant. Um, They kind of keep shuffling past you. You may, you may come into an environment where all of a sudden, let's say at church, for example, 
a person who typically comes and talks to you doesn't come and talk to you and you may not even realize that they're at church. You know, normally that's say they're always coming to find you or what have you. But this all of a sudden, this person is no longer doing that. That person is no longer coming to find you. And then you happen to see the person, let's say by the end of the night or what have you, or you happen to see the mid mid service, like on the other side of the room and they're trying to avoid looking at you or what have you. And you notice that they're over there and you're just like, dang, I didn't know she was here tonight. Well, or I didn't know she was here today. Normally this person says something to me or what have you. That person has typically or normally engaged in gossip and slander about you. And because of that, what it does is not just guilt and shame that makes them do that. A lot of times is they've said some stuff and they believe what they say. So it causes them to become offended. It causes them to become offended, which should be on the list as well, but it causes them to become offended. And whenever they start becoming offended, so they'll say something like, oh, you know, she thinks she's better. She And they'll typically maybe gossip to somebody who feels the same way um, or what have you. And so that person will say some stuff and they be like, you, you, oh, my goodness, I thought I was the only one. Oh, OK, OK. So and so they'll open their mouths and stuff like that. And the next thing you know, um, they're feeling that type that type of way. So let's move on to the next one. The other spirit that's very easy to detect is the spirit of jealousy, jealousy. We, I, I found a lot of people like to disguise it as competition. You know, I'm a competitive person. No, no. Cause at the end of the day, that's jealousy. There should be no reason for you to compete unless you're in the Olympics. There should be no reason to compete unless you are in a contest where you're trying to win. But in everyday life, the only person you should be competing with is yourself. You should not be competing with other people because jealousy is a tormenting spirit. This is why it makes it so easy for you to detect it on people is because it torments them. It makes them think about you. It, it won't let them like they sit back and I'll say it this way. I think about some of my relatives. I got relatives. Um. They cannot stand to see anything good happen to me. They cannot. If I post up anything good, God has done this. Uh, congrats, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. Just published another book. It happens almost 100% of the time where they're going to post something negative, not to my page, but to their page. They'll be like, you know, these people out here, uh, they think, oh, they'll say, they'll say something. And these are not always religious people. These are not always Christian people, but they'd be like, they always talking about God, 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 but the, the people, half the folks don't know how they are. Now, these are people, for the most part, they haven't, they don't know you that well, even though they're relatives, maybe you haven't had a relationship with them for many, many years. You have a very distant relationship with them. So they're referencing one, the old you or two, the, the you they believe you to be. But you'll notice a pattern. I've noticed I have relatives that they cannot celebrate me. My birthday, they always get mad. It just, it, it just never fails. It's a pattern. On my birthday, there are certain people that I just absolutely avoid because they're not going to celebrate me. They're going to get upset. They don't like to, because that's the thing. When a person deals with jealousy, that's a spirit. The Bible refers to it as a spirit. Now there's jealousy and there's envy. So we can, just like we said, gossip and slander, we can say jealousy and envy. Uh, the difference between jealousy and envy is this jealousy says, I want what you have. If you say I got a new car, they say, hmm, that should have been me. She ain't deserving of that. You know, what have you? So they try to use, um, they try to say, you know, to try to break down your character to basically say you're not deserving. Um, basically, what they're saying is I'm more deserving of that than you are. Even though they're, they not, they're, most of the time they're not, they just say that or they believe that. They try to tell themselves that. And again, they, a lot of times they'll use your past. They'll use um, the way that you used to be, things that you've done in your past to try to justify, you know, believing or saying that you're not de deserving of a new vehicle or what have you. Um, but when you're dealing with jealousy, jealousy says, I want what you have. When you're dealing with envy, envy says, I want to be you. Now, when you're dealing with somebody who envies you, when you're dealing with somebody who envies another person, typically they start to mirror the other person. Now, both of these spirits work with murder. Envy is the most dangerous one because there's only one place. It's like a jar. Your personality, your identity, there's like a jar. The only person that can fit into that jar is you. But when a person doesn't know who they are and they're trying to fit into that jar with you, there's no space for the both of you. There's no space for the both of you. So when you're dealing with envy, uh, envy is not as common, even though it is relatively common, it's not as common as jealousy. When you're dealing with envy, typically a person will look up to a person. So it starts as admiration. They may admire a trait or quality or something about a person. Maybe it's their personality or maybe it's the way that they look. Maybe it's their story, but they'll start to be jealous about certain characteristics or what have you. But over the course of time, that jealousy will grow into envy. 
You know, they start thinking, oh, this person is perfect. You know, this person, oh, she's wonderful. She got this going for her. She got that going for her. And so they start looking at so many um, aspects of the person's life and the person's identity. And then they start to mirror that. Now, that's normal, especially with immature women. And when I say immature women, I'm not saying all women are immature. I'm saying we all go through being a babe in Christ and then we grow. That's normal with an immature woman who's looking for her identity, for her to find somebody to look up to. It's not normal for her to start to completely mirror that person, but it's okay. A lot of times you're going to see that she's going to start trying to pick up certain aspects to that person. So she may um, start trying to dress like the person a little bit, do her hair like the person. But if she's maturing, you'll notice that, you know, she starts to kind of break away from that. So whenever you're dealing with envy, it starts off with the person where in most cases, jealousy makes it hard for a person to be friends with you because they'll constantly be negative towards you. Envy is a little bit different. Envy makes it hard for a person to not deal with you. So when a person envies you, they want to get close because they're trying to learn every aspect of you because they're rehearsing being you. They're trying to learn every aspect of you. How do you walk? Uh, how do you talk? Why did, what's your story? They're trying to learn every aspect of you. Jealousy, people who are jealous for the most part, they can try to become friends or they'll become friends. Or a lot of times they'll start manifesting jealousy while they're in the friendship. But for the most part, my, my, my encounters with jealousy or with jealous people typically is they are very, they will remain distant from me. You know, they're very avoidant. Um, and it's going to lead them into gossip and slander as well, but they're very avoidant. Um, a lot of times they try to make it very clear that, Hey, I just, I want a workplace relationship. I want a church relationship. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And that's fine that, you know, we don't all merge. We don't all, we're not all called to necessarily walk close together. It's like, hello, how are you doing? But they're relatively avoidant. Um, when you're dealing with jealousy, one of the things that you're going to notice is that the person has trouble celebrating you. The person has trouble celebrating you. Let's say, for example, you accomplish something. I'm a mass producer, so I'm always uh, I'm always accomplishing something. So jealousy is something I run into a lot. And I can honestly say that it's a tormenting spirit. It is a tormentor. I tell people this. We talk about rejection. Most people have dealt with their fair share of rejection. And rejection is a stronghold in most deliverances or what have you. But this is what I found. Jealousy, the Bible says jealousy is as cruel as the grave. I said, there's something far worse than rejection, and that's jealousy. And whenever you become, begin to walk in your uh, identity, whenever you begin to walk in a confidence, you know, that God has given you, whenever you become confident in God and confident in who he has created you to be, when you become confident in yourself, um, a lot of times you're going to find people that are going to become jealous of you. And that jealousy, that jealousy, uh, a lot of times they're going to look at different aspects, you know, they're jealous about this. They're jealous about that. But like I said, that jealousy will grow into envy. It will typically grow into envy. Um, when it grows into envy, the person who is jealous of you now wants to walk close with you. The person who is relatively distant now wants to kind of walk close or what have you because they're trying to figure you out. They're trying to figure out. But whenever you're dealing with envy, a person who walks close with you, a lot of times what they're going to do is they start off with this, oh my gosh, I love you. I, if anybody said anything about you, I will bust their head. I hurt them. I do this and I do that. Oh, hey. And you have to tell them, say, yeah, well, th thank you. I, I, that, well, that's not necessary or what have you. But, you know, and, and I'm not saying that everybody says who says that is probably um, envious. Some people just have, you know, that's just how they are. But that can that's one of the things that you want to kind of factor in your mind. But over the course of time, when you're looking at envy, the person will all of a sudden you'll notice that they kind of match your wardrobe. They're trying to dress like you. Um, they're trying to wear their hair like you. Um, if they're not trying to wear their hair like you, you'll notice that they are starting to use certain um, phraseology or verbiage that you typically use. They um, will start trying to frequent places. Like if you say, hey, I like um, Starbucks, then they're going to sit back and say OMG, me too. Or I've never tried Starbucks. And if they go to Starbucks, they'll say, hey, listen, I went to Starbucks because you told me about it and I absolutely loved it. It was good. And so what that does is it motivates you to tell them what you love about Starbucks. So you may say, um, have you tried their Carmel Macchiato? That, that thing um, with two pumps of milk. Oh my goodness, that thing. And they'll be like, oh, I got to try that. I got to try that. So every time you look at them, they're going to be walking around with a Carmel Macchiato. Now, here's the thing. They may not like the way that it tastes. 
but they're going to try to force themselves to like it. They may like something strawberry better. Maybe they could be lactose intolerant. Nevertheless, they're not going to tell you that they will get the craps just trying to mock you, trying to be like you or what have you. So they'll keep on trying to find things and say, oh my gosh, me too, me too, me too, me too. But then over the course of time, you're going to notice that their hearts are going to start to darken towards you. You know, their hearts are going to start to darken. And the reason that this is going to start to darken because jealousy and envy are both tormentors. They torment the person because, again, they work with the spirit of murder. So they want they want you to get killed by the person. If not physically killed, they want the, uh, the person to kill your person, your personality or to to bully you out of your personality. Because if somebody keeps on mocking your personality to the point where they master your personality, a lot of times people, let's say you're in a church environment. And you got new people coming into the church all the time. Well, if the new people come in contact with the counterfeit you, they think that that's, that's uh, that the person who's counterfeiting you or pretending to be like you or pretending to be you. They think that that's that person's personality. Right. So they just think, OK, well, you know, oh, you were cool. She's nice. or what have you. She's really funny. She's this. She's that. But when they come in contact with you now, at first, they're not picking up they just think that you and the other person have a lot in common but then over the course of time they may think that you are mocking the other person and so what an envious person does is they pretty much shove you out of your identity while they rob you of it because after you know over the course of time you're going to feel some type of way then you're going to start finding yourself you know you're going to start changing your phraseology you know words that you typically use because now this person is hijacking the person is saying those phrases that you normally use um the person is going you know, you may find yourself changing your wardrobe because, you know, normally you're a bright colors person. You love to wear bright colors. You love to wear your hair a certain way. But now this person is wearing bright colors and she's trying to up you. You know, she's trying to do better than you. She's trying to add a little bit of flair to her. She's trying to do a lot of stuff. And so now, you know, you have this change of heart. You say, you know what? Let me kind of just change up a little bit. It is, you know, fall. So let me just kind of do some more earth tone, like some earth tony type colors or what have you. Let me start getting into that or what have you. So you start uh, dressing in that, which can be relatively surprising to the other person because let's say you are looking really good in those earth tones. And so you, you end up changing your hair. You say, let me go for a drastic change because I'm tired of, you know, me wearing my hair this way. And this person is wearing her hair similar to mine. Every time I look up, she's wearing her hair similar to mine. Um... You may decide to change your hair. You say, I'm going to do a drastic change or what have you. So what you're doing is you're being moved out of your preferences. You're being moved out of your personality by somebody who envies you. And that person will continue to do that until the, that tormenting spirit is going to make them feel as if there's no room for the both of y'all. See, they're not going to correct themselves. They're not going to tell themselves that they're envious of you. They're not going to tell themselves that they're wrong. They're going to tell themselves that you are jealous of them. They're going to tell themselves that you are rejecting them because for the most part, what's going to happen is over the course of time, you're going to say, hey, I don't want this person around because she's a little bit cray cray. She look crazy. You know, um, I've noticed that I, I, I got a this particular type of car and now she went and got this type of car. You know, I went and did this and now she done went done that. So over the course of time, you're going to start putting a boundary there. You may be kind. You may be nice, but you're going to start putting a boundary there. You know, so when you see the person, let's say, for example, job setting, you see the person on a job. Um, normally you stand there and you like, Hey, how you doing? But now you're kind of, you know, relatively avoiding. Now you're relatively avoiding. Now what that does mean, did you get in gossip and snatter? No, but you probably had a conversation about it, which is not necessarily anything wrong. If you're noticing something, this type of behavior, sometimes you need confirmation, you need clarity. So maybe you did, maybe you started, you know, you kept noticing that this person was mimicking you. You noticed that this person was kind of starting to get a little snippy towards you. You know, the more they start to uh, mirror you, the more they start to mimic you, uh, the snippier they get because it becomes really, it's all like, it's like you're in a jar of your personality. There's no room for the both of y'all. So they start getting a little bit snippy towards you or what have you. So maybe you find somebody in the workplace, what have you, and maybe that person walks up to you because people notice it, right? So that person walks up to you and the person says, um, hey, you know, and it's somebody that you're relatively cool with. And they say, hey, um, let's just say the, the girl's name is mm, Jane. They say, hey, um, what's up with Jane? And you say, I don't know what you mean. They say, well, I've noticed lately that. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. That girl envies you. That girl is super jealous of you. Like she 
I notice that she's trying to dress like you. She's trying to sound like you. She's doing a lot. And so what that does in many cases, this is not necessarily gossip or slander. This is a conversation. It's going to be, you know, and even though the person may not be the right person to talk about it too. In that moment, you may feel a sense of relief because you're wondering if anybody else sees that, you know? And so you're, you've been trying to move integrally. You've been trying to do the right thing, but you're wondering, does anybody see this? Does anybody notice this? Um, but the person sits back and, um, she says, yeah, so the other day she came in and when she was turned around, I thought it was you. So I walked up to her and I tapped on her shoulder and I was like, guess what? And when she turned around, I was like, oh, I thought you were Molly. Let's just say your name is Molly. Uh, I thought you were Molly. And she's like, oh, everybody thinks that. No, I'm not Molly. Oh, what have you? So what, what, what Jane is doing is Jane is robbing you of your personality. Jane is robbing you of your dress, your, your, your identity. She's robbing you. And the more she moves into your personality, the more she's going to move you out of it over the course of time. And it's witchcraft over the course of time. She's going to start wishing death upon you over the course of time. Cause there's no room in that personality for the both of you. She may find that she likes your personality better than other people that she's mimic. She likes your personality. She likes your results. She likes, you know, she feels like, Hey, I got more confidence since I've been um, thinking and reasoning like her and acting like her, dressing like her and moving like her. I have more confidence since I started doing this. I've been having better results. Maybe I have better, better luck with the guys. Um, I feel like I got better friends or what have you. But people are only uh, they're, they're gravitating to who she's pretending to be because there are certain facets to your personality that causes the people who are called to walk with you to gravitate towards you. So now these people are gravitating toward her because she is demonstrating or she's channeling that part of you. She's channeling that. This is why it's witchcraft. She's channeling that part of you. So when you're dealing with jealousy, again, there's jealousy and there's envy. Jealousy typically says, I want what you have. I've noticed that when I'm dealing with jealousy with people, um, if I'm dealing, let's say, for example, if it's a place where I get to see people physically, um, or let's just say social media, I notice that there are certain people that will not, they won't celebrate me period point blank. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. It used to bother me. I'm not going to pretend that it didn't. It used to bother me, not because I look for them to celebrate me, not that because I look for their affirmation, but because I was surprised that, you know, and I'm talking about Christians. I was surprised that Christians behave that way. I was surprised or what have you. And it wasn't that for me, it wasn't that they weren't celebrating me. It was just that I noticed that they celebrated everybody, you know, everybody but me. Like they would not say anything to me. They would not say, hey, Tiffany, congratulations. Hey, Tiffany, I'm really proud of you. They would not do that. They would not acknowledge me. Or, you know, if they did acknowledge me, it would be personally, but not publicly, you know, privately. But, oh, I saw that you you wrote another book. Congratulations. Oh, you saw it on social media and you scrolled right by. Wow. You didn't say congratulations on social media. Oh, what have you? And it's not that they have to. I'm just saying you can interpret that behavior to them saying, hey, I don't want to celebrate you. I don't want people to see me celebrating you because they are competing with you in their minds or what have you. So they don't want people uh, to see them affiliating themselves with you. And then a lot of times, you know, they're looking for people to kind of follow their lead. So they're just showing people, I don't fool with you because they have typical followers who are not going to fool with you because they don't fool with you because most people are sheep or they're sheepish. So, or no, they're sheep, not sheepish because sheepish means shy, but most people are sheep. When I say sheepish, I mean sheep like, but when I've been, anytime I've dealt with jealousy, I've noticed that people who are, they're not dealing with envy. That means they're not, they're not looking at me saying, I wish I had Tiffany's personality. I wish I, I wish I had this about her. I wish I had that about her. It's more jealousy because it's typically, I, I notice certain people that behave funny every time I accomplish something. Anytime I accomplish a thing, there are certain people who stop speaking to me. There are certain people who uh, become very avoidant of me. There are certain people who, um, you know, start acting different toward me. They start being relatively avoided. That's jealousy. That's jealousy. And one of the things that, you know, people say, hey, I want the discerning of spirits. Um, ask God for that. That's a gift that God gives you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the things that uh, that you'll learn in that is patterns. 
patterns. So you'll learn patterns of behavior, meaning it's not that you look at people in the eyes and you squint and you're like, hmm, I see the spirit of jealousy. And you know, it's patterns. Demons have patterns or characteristics. And you start noticing those characteristics. And over the course of time, it makes you start to monitor or pay attention. I don't want to say monitor, but pay attention to how that person behaves towards you. You start paying attention. Like you start noticing, is this a pattern of theirs or what have you? And once you notice that it's a pattern, you know, that it's jealousy. You know, that it's jealousy. Now, again, when you're dealing with uh, jealousy, typically it makes people avoided of you. Uh, people, whenever they're jealous of you, they're not going to want to walk close with you. It's not to say you won't have friends or family members that are jealous because typically they've found a relationship with you at some point and they're jealous of you and you get a chance to, um, you, you get a chance to, um, I'm sorry, I got a text message, but you get a chance to see that that person is jealous um, whenever, because they start becoming very negative, they start being condescending. They're always talk, trying to talk you out of something. I think, I think immediately about an old friend of mine that anytime something good would happen in my life. And the crazy part was, I'm going to be honest, we were never supposed to be friends because she displayed jealousy before we became friends. But I don't know. So we have mutual friends. The way that I met this young lady now, she was a beautiful young lady in so many rights. I never want to take that away from her, but she struggled with jealousy bad. Um, the way that I met her, I met her in, when I was in school and I was new to the school and I didn't know it was like a school that had all these different buildings it had the 300 building, the 400 building, 500 building. I was new. I had never been to a school like that. I didn't know where my class was, was, and I was looking at my schedule and I was confused. And she saw me stopping, you know, outside walking on the sidewalks, looking at my schedule. And she stopped me. She said, um, because she had saw that I was in one of her classes. She was like, um, what you looking for? She said, I can help you. And I just showed her my schedule. She said, oh, that's what you, you take the next class with me. And I said, okay. So, um, that was, you know, my first time going in that classroom, I go in the classroom. I, so I sit next to her. Oh, what have you? I find a seat next to her. And next thing you know, you know, I start kind of walking with her a lot of what have She's giving me the ropes and I start meeting her mutuals. You know, I start meeting her mutual friends or what have you. And at first I don't think I saw jealousy at first. I didn't think, I don't think I saw it. But it was over the course of time because she would always say shady stuff to me. She would always say shady stuff. Now, I, at first, I didn't realize it was jealousy. I thought it was just her being mean. Um, I remember I would get mad at her. So I stopped considering her a friend. So she was more, I became friends with her friends. I consider her more of a mutual. Like I had to deal with her by default because she would always say shady stuff. So I remember this one particular time, I, you know, I had met a, another girl at the school. We had became best friends and I literally wanted to jump on this girl. I literally, not my, my, not my best friend, but the other girl that had become shady. I literally, she had upset me. She would always humiliate me. Like she would always say something bad about it. She liked to wait till people get around and then she'll say some, hey, Tiffany, hey, Tiffany. And she'll say something negative about me. So this one particular time, there was this guy. We were all in the cafeteria. We sat together in the cafeteria. Now my best friend at the time didn't sit with us because she was in a grade under us. But we were in, it was just me and the, the, the shady girl, the, the, the friend, you know, the person that become my friend or I was identifying her as a friend and all of her mutuals, which really had become my friends. So we were all sitting at the table together. And because I was closer to them, I was sitting, you know, more toward the end. So it was like six of us sitting at the table together. And I remember there was this guy came into the, the lunchroom and they started talking. Oh, that's a new guy. They were talking about this fine new guy that came to our school and they were saying his name. Oh, his name is, I remember his name was Adrian. I can be honest. They were like, oh, his name is Adrian. This, that, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, hmm. So I'm just listening to him. I'm eating my lunch. I'm talking to my mutuals or what have you. I'm talking to the, my friends. Um, And then all of a sudden he comes and they're like, that's him. That's a, that's a fine dude. That's a fine dude. So I look up, I recognize this dude because I've been through a lot of different schools. Adrian used to be in the fifth grade with me and Adrian was the class clown. He was a funny dude. He always kept us laughing. We were relatively cool or what have you. So Adrian passes by. He said, what's up, Tiffany? I said, hey, Adrian. And she, I remember she was sitting on the other side toward the end. So it's six of us sitting at the table, if I'm remembering correctly. It's three on one side, three on the right side of the table, and three on the other side. I'm at the far end on the right side of the table. She's at the far end on the left. So she looks at me and she says it real loud. Tiffany, how do you know somebody that looked like that? And everybody started laughing. 
Everybody said, ooh, and they started laughing. You know, people around, and so she tried to act like she was surprised that she said it loud enough for people to hear. And so she starts kind of, you know, chuckling and what have you. And, of course, I was humiliated because I'm just like, dang. So I was I was really mad at her. And I remember um, finally I talked to my best friend. My best friend was a fighter. My best friend had them hands. You know, she was a, she, but she wasn't a, she wasn't a, she was a good student. She wasn't ghetto. She wasn't the type of person that walked away, but the child could box, you know, whatever. She was sweet. She was meek, but the child could box. And I was telling her about it. And I was really upset. And she was like, uh-uh. She was like, um, I'm going to beat her A. Let's, she said, I'm going to beat her A. I'm going to beat her A. Or what have you. So we had started talking about beating the girl up. That's how mad I was. But like I said, her mutuals had become my friends. So I hung with her by default. And so she would always say shady stuff. So I got to the point finally that I would, you know, talk back bad or say something ugly about her or what have you. And she'd get mad or other times she'd just get into it. She'll try to giggle and she'd be like, but ironically enough, which was crazy. After high school, somehow we managed to become friends. And the mutuals went to college. Everybody went off to their, their life, but me and her became friends. So it goes without saying that she had already showed me jealousy. So the course of, of our friendships, we were friends with well over 20 years. Um, she had a lot of great traits about her. So like I said, I can't take it away from her um, in totality. One of the things I remember is that if I needed her, she was there. That's one thing I can say. If I needed her, if I was down and out, she was there. Uh, but over the course of my life, she... She would always shake, you know, like be shady. She would get mad every time I got something. And it became this thing like jealous people train you to let them get what they get, get it first. Like they have to have everything first before you get it. You know, if it's something new that comes out, like I had got a Bluetooth one time and I was excited about that Bluetooth. I was just like, oh my gosh, I got a Bluetooth, this, that, this, that, and the other. And this was in Bluetooth when new, you know, and um, she called me because we talked on the phone every day. Um, whenever you're dealing with people who are jealous hearted, they do like to talk because they like to monitor your life. But we talked on the phone every day and which honestly, I can't even say that because I think young people t typically do that. But we talked on the phone every day. And while I was uh, talking to her, she typically would be more dominant of the conversation. So she's talking and talking and talking and talking and I'm just listening. And then I waited for her to talk, stop talking. And I, I was talking to her uh, what have you. And then I said, guess what? She was like, what girl? And I said, I got a Bluetooth and she got quiet and I always knew that meant I triggered her. I always knew, okay, that meant that this isn't good. What I just said to her, she doesn't deem it as good. So I was like, uh, yeah, um, this guy, you know, um, I said, I went to the place and I talked to this guy. Well, long story short, um, I went to the place and the guy told me I was qualified for a Bluetooth or no, he told me it was cheap or something. So I ended up buying a Bluetooth. And she's still quiet. And then she was like, no wonder I couldn't hear you. Hello? Hello? I, I can't hear you. And she said, that's why I couldn't hear you that good. Uh-uh. So she started saying, mm -mm, call me back when you get off that Bluetooth. Call me back when you get off. I can't hear you. Call me back when you get off that Bluetooth. So she did that every single day. We talked on the phone every day. She did that every day. You're on that Bluetooth. I can't hear you. It's real staticky. I can't hear you. That's why you don't get nothing new. She kept doing that. So finally, I stopped using my Bluetooth because she was a person I talked to 90% of the time. So I stopped using my Bluetooth. And when I stopped using my Bluetooth, she still be like, you're on that Bluetooth. I can't hear you. You're on that Bluetooth. I'm like, no, I'm not on the Bluetooth. She was like, oh, well, maybe it's my phone. Maybe it's my phone. So it wasn't until she got a Bluetooth for probably about a month later that, and by this time I had maybe a month or two later and she come pulling up in my house and she's like, uh, and pulled up in my mom's house and she was like, pointed to her ear. She had a Bluetooth. Look what I got. And I was like, oh, and what have you? So I was like, it's some messed up stuff. And so she was like, where your Bluetooth at? And I was like, I put it on top of the TV. It came up missing. I just stopped wearing it. So one of my siblings likely uh, picked it up away. She was like, oh. So I, I realized in that moment that she believed that she should have it first. That was just a, that was her belief. She believed that anything that we did, and I noticed that over the course of time, that I started paying attention to the pattern. And I noticed over the course of time that she didn't mind me having stuff, but she just wanted to have it first. She wasn't envious of me. But she was jealous of some of the things. And, you know, I remember my parents called. I have never had anybody in my life that did not call it out on her. And I wasn't going to them talking about her. I've never had anybody in my life that called that never called it out. My dad called it out. He was like, 
But he said, but Tiffany, God is going to use you. God's been using you to help her to build her confidence. Oh, what have you? He said, but this girl is really jealous of you. My mom called it out. My sister used to call it out all the time. I don't even know why you hang with that. That girl is clear. The girl can't even hide it. She's jealous of you. Um, when I got in relationships, I got married twice. Both guys called it out. That girl is super jealous of you. So it was hard for her to hide it. Um, she, that was her stronghold. That was her stronghold. So typically I could tell um, whenever I triggered it, because whenever it wasn't triggered, she was a really good friend. You know, she was, uh, she was there or whatever. She would do a lot of stuff. But whenever I triggered it by me accomplishing something, me getting something, that's when you will see that jealousy flare up or what have you. Um, I had another friend like that, and I can't even call her a friend. We were trying to build a friendship. We never could get there because of her jealousy. And so that was her. Like, if anybody celebrated me, she would get mad. Um, if I said anything smart uh, or what have you that she felt was intelligent, she felt like she needed to condescend it or, or what have you. And then she'd be like, you think you're smarter than people or what have you. So jealous people, they're typically going to try to tear down or discredit or, or devalue uh, what they are jealous about. Uh, but they can walk with you. But a lot of times... If they're not walking with you, they're going to be very avoidant. They're not going to try to be your friend because they're jealous of you. But when you're dealing with envious people, envious people want to walk close with you. Envious people want to be your friend. Envious people because they're trying to study you. They're trying to figure out what makes you you. They like your personality. They like your personality and they like your results. They like the way that you talk. They like a lot of different things about you. They'll date relatives of yours just because they want your last name, even though they don't necessarily like the relative, but they want to get as much information on you as possible. But anytime you come across uh, jealousy or envy, now jealousy, you'll notice that people flare up whenever you accomplish something so communal setting let's say a church setting you may notice that there are certain people there that they're cool with you all the time like whenever they see you they're like hey how you doing hey you know what have you and it's not until you accomplish something like let's you say hey guys i'm releasing a song or i'm releasing a book you'll notice that they become avoided that they they don't speak to you um they're not going to celebrate you but you kind of grow used to that and you just don't it, it's not something you think about but they're not going to speak to you. They become relatively avoided. They become very dry. So from, they put you on punishment because you've accomplished something. Because like I said, these are tormenting spirits. That spirit will torment them. She thinks she all that who she thinks she is. And it, it'll give them the language. And when you're dealing with church, a lot of times people say, oh, that's a spirit of rejection. Why she keep on creating stuff? She act like this. She get, You know, and so they keep on saying. But when you're dealing with envy, envy, a lot of times people are going to try to get close with you. They're going to try to walk close with you. You're going to try to be your best friend. They're going to love bomb you. They're going to try to get close too fast, too close, too fast. Um, and in that, they're going to keep on flattering you. They're going to keep talking about, oh, my gosh, I love your hair. I love me some you. If anybody says something about you, I headbutt them. Um, oh, my goodness. I, I like that, too. What should I do? They'll keep asking you because they're trying to study you. They're trying to learn how to be you. And it could come across as them being a friend or maybe even a protege, somebody who looks up to you. But over the course of time, you'll notice that it's envy whenever the person is just constantly um, trying to bite off of yours. And they're going to always try to re-up, I mean, up you, uh, not re-up, but they're going to always try to up you. I mean, they're going to always try to do it better than you. But you'll notice that the person, if you go get yourself a Nissan Altima, they're going to go get a Nissan Altima. Or they may go and get something that's better than your car. But they're going to keep on trying to uh, one-up you. That's what it's called, one-up. They're going to keep on trying to one-up you. Um, they're going to try to either get what you got or they'll try to get something better. Um, every time, if you go get a, a, a 2019, they're going to go get a 2020. <laughs> uh, if you go get your hair, uh, let's say, sandy blonde, they're going to go get their hair extra blonde. So you're going to notice that they're constantly, it's going to be like this competition or what have you. And it's not a competition you've signed up for, but you're going to notice that they seem to be competing with you. So those are the spirits that you can uh, detect again. That is gossip and slander. And then you can detect um, jealousy and envy. Those are the four. I said three, but those are the four spirits that are easily um, to detect. And also, one of the spirits that they partner with that you'll notice is the spirit of offense. When people are all of a sudden easily offended with you, um, that's typically a sign that they've either been gossiping about you and slandering you or that they may be wrestling with jealousy. Anyhow, I hope this helps.